Hello, and thanks for listening. As we move toward the end of the year, Mike and I just want to thank our fans. We're having a ton of fun doing this and look forward to going through the long list of movies we have in front of us. We appreciate you sharing with others and hope you continue to enjoy each episode. Six bucks in my right nut says we're not landing in Chicago. You play with your balls a lot. Well, Paige is just kind of a dick. I had no idea those beer cans were going to blow like that. I want a fucking car right fucking now. Welcome to Worth the Watch podcast. I'm your host, Ed Palilla. With me as always, my co-host, Mike Kennedy. Hello, Mike. Hello, Ed. Just so you know, Ed, those, those aren't pillows. And uh, we're very excited today. We have... For his second time on the podcast, our good friend, Mr. Adam Nave. Hello, Adam. Hello, fellas. For those of you that have listened to our other episodes uh, or have not, go back and listen to the, can we call it a hockey documentary of <laughs> sudden death? <laughs> uh, we recorded back in, I want to say, April, May, maybe. I was just trying to think about this right before we started. Would it, you consider that the third best hockey movie of all time behind... I'm considering Mighty Ducks altogether and Slapshot. I don't know if there's any other. Uh, what's the one with? What's the one from from the '80s with Rob Lowe? Oh, I don't even know. I, the, have you seen the Goon? I can't believe you're leaving the Rock out of this with the Tooth Fairy. Oh. <laughs> Does that count as a hockey movie? <laughs> it's a fantastic hockey movie. He's such a bruiser. It's. I don't even know if he could actually skate. That's like saying that um, Happy Gilmore's a hockey movie. Yeah, that's true. He's, no. yeah. So anyways, go back and listen to that one, though, um, as we go deep, deep into JCVD and the Civic Arena. <laughs> All right, so Planes, our movie for this week, uh, I, I'm just going to stick by what I said, which is it's really the only Thanksgiving movie. I've seen a lot of things online in the last couple of weeks people saying movies that are thanksgiving movies and nine out of ten of them i've never heard of in my whole life so we picked planes trains and automobiles which is the only really true thanksgiving movie i can think of uh it uh, it was released november 25th 1987 which was the same day as three men and a baby interestingly enough the budget of the movie was $30 million. The gross in the United States was only $49 million, which I guess at the time a $20 million profit was good, but that barely covers advertising and distribution and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if I'd call it a bust. It's kind of a – it's not what you would think, but it's had a long run after it. So Rotten Tomato score. Mike, what would you guess the Rotten Tomato score is, the critic Rotten Tomato score for this movie? Um, I'm going to go with 85. 92%. Wow. Very well reviewed. Adam, what would you guess the audience Rotten Tomato score would be out of 100%? I'll say 86. 87. Very close. So I'm actually kind of surprised. I would think this would be the other way around, that it would have a higher audience score. Because it's not, it's not like this movie is slow like a lot of movies from the 70s and 80s are. And people today would say, oh, it's not entertaining. It really moves along. It's very quotable. It's very, very funny. 
IMDb score, 7.6 out of 10. So very high on that. The cast, and I'm going to go cast and crew because the director of this movie is John Hughes. John Hughes, who did all those movies from the 80s, Breakfast Club, etc., even Home Alone, uh, Uncle Buck, all that stuff. Uh, so about a million other movies. John Hughes uh, notoriously or famously lived in Chicago. That's why a lot of his movies took place in Chicago. And he would not really do anything in Los Angeles. He completely avoided it. That's why he centered a lot of his movies around it. There's really only two characters in this movie. There's a couple cameos, which we'll get into as we go through the movie itself. Steve Martin plays Neil Page, the, the main character in the movie. You know him from The Jerk, Father of the Bride. He had a, a good run on SNL. And then the other one, John Candy, played Del Griffith. And John Candy, I pulled this up, died at the age of 43. He died March 4th, 1994. And I'd have to look, but I got to guess probably pretty close to the same age as, well, pretty close to the same time as uh, Chris Farley, right? What year did Farley die? 96? It sounds right. Yeah. It was kind of sad. They both went within a few years. I believe John Candy died of a heart attack, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 He was a big guy. And smoke. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's right. He, he was a smoker, too. He smoked in all his I movies. Just, uh... John Candy, I mean, uh, Chris Farley, Ed, uh, 1997, December 1997. 97. Age 33. Okay, so a little later than that. Now, he died of an overdose, didn't he? He had a much yes, different scenario for his death, yeah. Yeah, he was he was kind of a tortured soul. Yeah. This week, uh, we've decided to do John Candy movies as our top five. We thought about doing travel movies, but I don't think we would have been able to get a good five out of it. So I'm going to turn the table over to you guys. Which one do you want to go first? Good, Adam. You're new. All right. Well, th- he's been in so many movies, it's hard to... Like, there are some honorable mentions that I can do afterward. Like, I I would put Stripes in there, but he's got too many other ones that I liked too much. So, number five, and I'm sure you two ranked it higher, I would say Spaceballs. I know that you two are very... Particularly Michael is very into that movie. But I, yes, I, may, yes, have, I may have watched this movie last night. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can't leave. Cannot confirm or I, deny. <laughs> I like the other ones a lot more. Number four, I would say The Great Outdoors. That was one of my dad's favorites. Complete classic. Number three, I was going to say um, Canadian Bacon. I enjoy that movie thoroughly. And I know that that's probably a surprise, but I, I like that one better than I actually did put some thought into this. And then um, I tossed back and forth for number two and number one. They're probably interchangeable on my list, but for number two, I will say uh, Uncle Buck. And number one, I would say the one we're doing now, Planes, Trains, Automobiles. Just because Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Zara and I watch it every Thanksgiving. And it's still hilarious. And we quote it like all the time, you know, ah, stick with me, you know, um, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, uh, Why don't you go ahead, Mike? All right. I also have some honorable mentions. So don't worry about that, Adam. (laughs) I threw me some, uh, some cool runnings on there. I considered that too. And home alone. I, um, 
even though he's in there for about two seconds. He actually, if, fun fact, he did that movie for free. Oh, yeah. Hold on. John Candy for free. But, uh, cool Runnings, um, The Great Outdoors, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Spaceballs, and Uncle Buck. My, honor, my honorable mentions, I'll just toss in there, were Stripes, Brewster's Million, and Splash. I had the same top five as you guys. I went Canadian Bacon 5, Great Outdoors 4, Spaceballs 3, PTA 2, and Uncle Buck number one. I think he's just yeah. tremendous in Uncle Buck. I think he was – that's the mo- – that, between that and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, those were the movies he was born to make. Oh, yeah. He just plays like overbearing, kind of a mess. It's perfect for him. Uh, so you – if you have any other honorable mentions, I'm going to say mine real quick because I didn't hear it yet. He made a really bad movie called Who's Harry Crumb oh, yeah, we're in the late 80s. Detective. He He's the detective. It is about as <laughs> – it's the most physical comedy movie he did out of all of them. Even though like the great outdoors was pretty physical comedy of him. It is very, very physical comedy slap, almost slapsticky, goofy movie. He's like the, the idiot that can't get anything right. The same plot that's kind of been done over and over again, but I always liked that movie. That's one that I saw a lot growing up because it was one of the few cassette tapes we had, (laughs) but I'll say out of all of these out of those five movies, I think I've seen the great outdoors the most. It's probably close to me in that in Spaceballs, but I feel like I've seen Great Outdoors 45 times. And Spaceballs, like, 40. Yeah. So, any other movies you guys want to throw on there? My dad, One of my dad's favorites is Only the Lonely, because I, th- I think my dad's got a crush on Marino O'Hara, who's now, like, 90. But uh... I don't believe I've seen that one. I don't, think, I don't know if I've either. Well, we can throw in, um, just because he was probably my favorite character in the movie, Mike, you and I just did rookie of the year and he's the announcer oh yeah. he might have been my favorite character in that movie to be honest but uh any other ones you guys want to throw out there before we we move on so yeah now mike mentioned Brewster's millions that was the other notable. yes i want to i want to go with you adam on just a quick shout out to canadian bacon if you've never seen that movie throw it on it is really really funny <laughs> i remember the first time you and i saw it adam we laughed quite quite a lot I can't remember the exact line. It was like, that'd be $10,000 Canadian or $100 American. I think it was $10 American. (laughs) That and when he gets in the hockey fight and he's, (laughs) they're interviewing him on TV. He's like, I don't understand. And all I said is their beer sucks. And I think the, the, uh, (laughs) the anchor punched him. Like, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. A very another like goofy movie that's really underrated. But well, they make fun of Canada the whole time, and it's like mostly Canadian guys, like Dan Aykroyd, John Candy. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I don't know if Rhea Perlman's Canadian too, but she's the the main yeah. female in it. So, um, anywho, all right, Mike, why don't you give us a synopsis for the movie? All right. En route to Chicago to spend Thanksgiving with his family, easily annoyed businessman Neil finds his first-class plane ticket has been demoted to coach, and he must share his flight with an obnoxious salesman played by Dell. I mean, John, played by John Kennedy. His name's Dell. A uh, sudden snowstorm in Chicago forces the plane to land in Wichita. Unable to find a room in any of the four-star hotels, <clears throat> Neil is compelled to accept Dell's invitation to share his accommodations in the Cheapo Slezo Motel. In the Cheapo Slezo Motel. Right <laughs> the two are robbed 
while they cuddle and sleep. They hitch a ride in the back of a truck with some rednecks to catch a train. While on the train, the engine breaks and their two are forced to take a bus to St. Louis. While in St. Louis, the two part ways, Neil tries to rent a car. When he's dropped off, it's not there, and essentially, he's fucked. After being, assa- after being assaulted for being an asshole to, to the taxi guy, Dell and Neil are back together again in Dell's car. After a few mishaps with the car, it's impounded, and Dell finds another means to Chicago <clears throat> in the back of a semi. On Thanksgiving Day, the two arrive in Chicago and part ways. On the elevated train system back, Neil thinks about Dell, carting around his large trunk, remembers him saying he hadn't been home in years. Neil returns to the station, finds Dell sitting by himself. Dell admits that his wife Marie has been dead for eight years and he has nowhere to go. Neil then bring, brings Dell home with him for Thanksgiving dinner, and Dell is overjoyed to meet Neil's family. Boom. I think you got it all there. It was a lot. Yeah. Like, I. Depending on what to include with that. <laughs> no, I think I think you did it well. I think you got what, what needs to be included. You could have just said hilarity ensued, but that wouldn't have given enough entertain actual like information on what goes on. So, so let's get into it. First, then, first off, uh, I think we've all been in the scenario where you're staring at the clock and you know you have to be on a flight and you're doing the math in your head as to exactly when you need to be out the door. It's. I just said it's nothing like sitting in a pointless meeting when you have other pressing things to do, like just anything. You know, you're yeah. just there, like in a meeting at work, yeah. and you're just like, oh, like there's or like you know, for me, it's at work whenever the, the meetings are done, and then you have like five people like asking questions that don't apply to anybody else but themselves, and you're like, why are you asking this right now? I hate you. This is the adult version of when you're sitting in class, and you're waiting for the bell to ring. Yeah, and nothing's changed. Someone, yeah, someone raises their hand and asks a question about homework with two minutes to go. It's like the, it's the exact same scenario, just it's the adult version of it. I love the boss's face when he like leans forward and he like looks like he's about to open his mouth and say something, and you're just like waiting, and he just goes ah, and just goes back and looks at the the pictures again. Yes, yes, yeah, that was perfect. Yeah, and then uh, the next part, really random Kevin Bacon cameo. It's not like Kevin Bacon wasn't popular, but that he had already done Footloose and a bunch of other movies by this point. So I, I don't remember if I have in the facts below, and I don't know if you grabbed this, Mike, why Kevin Bacon particularly did this. I, I do not know why he did the movie. I know they said that that scene is from a different movie. I can't remember what movie that is, but I know that scene where he's racing, he's racing a bicycle in some other movie. I don't even know the other movie that he was doing it in, but... No, oh, maybe it's like a play off of that movie. Then I don't know. You know, nothing. nothing. It's, it's like that's, this is where you first have the little, the meeting between Dell and Neil. You kind of get this the gist that Neil's kind of short tempered, and Neil just and Dell kind of just seems like a goofy nice guy. You know. Yeah, I, I I will say this, and I, this is kind of a running theme throughout this, but this movie wouldn't exist today, mainly because cell phones and uber and flight changes and booking hotels and all that stuff like this movie wouldn't exist i i've been in my own and i have examples and nave you were there for one of them we've had our own planes trains and automobiles everyone's kind of had their own version of this and it's always a not a fun joke but kind of a fun reference to say oh i had my own version of this when i was here and i was trying to get here mine's always weather related too but the 
even then, my scenarios have not been nearly as bad because of the advances in technology. And he would have just been able to call an Uber and walk downstairs and it would be waiting for him and he'd leave instead of having to get in the cab line and stand on Park Avenue. And, you know, he would have known the flight was delayed before he even got there and all that kind of stuff. So definitely it's an it's an interesting kind of anecdote about this. You know, now you just get an update and it would say, oh, your flight's delayed. You just switch flights on your phone. You'd be home a little later or connect through a different city or whatever it would be. So once he gets on the plane, everyone keep in mind, if you really feel like getting zip tied and pepper sprayed, fight with the flight attendant. It's a good, it's a good way to end up. And I can tell you planes do have duct tape on them for uh, irrational uh, empl- uh, customers. Sounds like, you know, this from experience, Ed. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's a, upon request. The flight attendants will do it for you. I mean, if I was on a plane with you, Ed, I'd request it. Yeah, just to shut me up. <laughs> I talk uh, talk just about as much as Del Griffith. I love that they, he refers to himself as being part of the shower curtain ring division. <laughs> Head of shower curtain ring division. Right. As if, as if <laughs> I don't know shower if... curtain rings are sold, <laughs> that it would require a division of a company. Was it a bo- was it that much of a booming market in the late eighties? Also, oh, plastic shower curtain—they're like a dollar for an entire set now. Has did something really yeah. change between now and then? I guess this was before the era of things like Target, where you could go into a store and just pick out what you wanted. Well, well, you know, Adam, they were made out of ivory. <laughs> yeah, they're filled with helium, so they're very light. Yeah, <laughs> that whole sequence is pretty impressive. Um, that they were able to come up with that many random ways for him to sell it to idiots. <laughs> but at the end, I like he goes, they make you look at least 18 and they all hand over the money. Those girls looked 18 anyways. I think you should have gone with 21. I, I love how just they they're all have them in their ears already too. <laughs> and who he kept saying they were signed by like professional baseball players. I think people that take their dress shoes off on a plane should be sent directly to Guantanamo. Right? <laughs> what happens if they take their socks off, Ed? Well, really not the shoes, the socks. If the socks come off from your from your dress shoes. What? Like if you're wearing flip-flops, that's one thing. And you shouldn't walk around barefoot in an airport. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Pittsburgh's airport, but that's like the dirtiest carpet I've ever seen. Yeah, I think the plane should just divert to Guantanamo Bay and just kick you out on the way. What if your dogs are really barking? Your dogs are really barking? Well, then maybe if you have a emotional support dog on the plane, they can also just drop you off on the way. <laughs> I, I do like the quote from John Candy that says, what is it? I'll bet $80 in my right nut. We're not landing in Chicago. Something like that. With one eye open, he says. <laughs> yes. <laughs> While laying on his shoulder and doesn't move once he realizes he's yeah. laying on his shoulder. Six bucks. I had it written down, actually. Six bucks Six in my bucks. right nut. There it is. I was just going to say, I because the, the flight gets redirected, they take, you know, Doobie's Taxiola or whatever it is. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was going to say, we get our next two random cameos. Ben Stein is the gate attendant Mm -hmm. for the airline. And then Crazy Carl from Happy Gilmore is the cab driver that takes him to the motel. What's that? You mean Billy Madison. I'm sorry, Billy Madison, not Happy Gilmore. I'm sorry. We've got to get my Adam Sandler movies right. It's one of the two good ones. Yes, one (laughs) of the two good ones from the early to (laughs) mid-90s. Oh, when Adam Sandler was still funny. Remember those days? His new stand-up is actually hilarious. Like the Netflix. I think it's called 100. 100%. Like it's called like 100% Fresh or something. Yeah. Rated 100% Fresh. It's funny. Yeah. Smart title. Yeah. It's. When you you put out 
nine shit bomb movies in a row. Maybe get back to your. I, roots. Think, I think it's a good. Movie. I think that number is probably higher than you think. How many shit bombs he's put out in a row? Yeah, it might be more like fifteen. Yeah. When I was started writing back in the day, I actually did a whole thing that said in two thousand when they created Happy Madison Productions, he lost, He went over the edge because no one would say no to him anymore. Yeah. It was him and all his New York um, NYU buddies, like Spade and Schneider and all those guys. And they were all just like, well, just do whatever you want. And he's like, all right, I'm just going to make a movie where I'm, the, I'm awesome. And you guys are all idiots. And it'll, it'll sell $100 million. And then that had diminishing returns over time. And it's when he released Jack and Joe, I think he officially went too far. Yeah. That might have been – someone should have smacked him and been like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, he's he's paychecks, so no. Yes, oh, he's he's just cashing paychecks left and right. I think Netflix paid him two hundred million dollars to make the movies he made. Yeah, that's not not surprising. No. So, anyways, real smooth with the credit card swap out at the motel. Yeah, that's where that's that's like when you're watching the the guy with the three cups with the ball, and you're waiting to see where it's going to end up as he's switching it back and forth, and you can see you like watch it happen in slow motion. That that one's where you got to have like suspended disbelief in this movie, just that you know that those would be so similar, like they they're identical. Dell's is a is a discount credit card, like some kind of I don't even understand what exactly it was. There. It's uh, I think he I think he said the only one it was like a men's big and tall in the North Pacific Northwest. Well, no, because that was like the only credit card. Yeah. That... <laughs> I know what he says later, but what I mean is he said it's some kind of discount credit card from the airline and Neil gives like a diner's club or something like why? Yeah. Diner's club, which is the high, one of the highest I, cards you can. Right. Have. Why would they look exactly the same and not have like distinctive markings on them? But yeah, I, I'll let it slide because it was important to the plot. So. And I, I don't know how many times we've been out to eat and you split your things. And when they bring it back, you know, I've got a, um, a Marriott visa, and a lot of the Marriott visas are pretty much the same, but you always check the name. Right. Like, I get it. They were distracted, but at some point, you, you would check the name. So that's also back when the credit card slider was still going on. Yeah, that was cool to see. Yeah. That little blast from the past. Oh, uh, you guys know about my also, was nothing worse than getting out of the shower without a towel. I like how they're everywhere, too. He used every single towel in the room. That's – yeah. And then yeah. – as long as we're getting into favorite scenes, that's that's exactly the one I was going to talk about. Well, the, yeah, let's go ahead and get into that. I like the uh, smoking in the hotel room. You don't see that anymore. I'm glad. I mean, we're not neither. None of us are smokers. Never have been. But the that's always awful when you go into, especially like a motel. Like you go to like a wedding or something, and it's um, all motel rooms. You go like when we used to go to Canada. And you'd go into the room and you could tell it was used to be a smoking room or recently was a smoking room. That's always a little rough. Nice little vibrating bed. Yeah, you don't see those anymore. Yeah, I would like to uh, see one. It was, it was <laughs> I'd, be, for... <laughs> I'd be kind of afraid if I did see one. I'd be like, where the fuck am I staying? Yeah, I <laughs> Get out the black light. I just run to the payphone outside because <laughs> I'm sure they'd still have that too. I'm, I'm laughing just thinking of the... <laughs> He's like, you spilled beer everywhere. I wouldn't know that would happen. You had beer, full beer cans on a vibrating bed. What did you think would happen? It's been a long day. Been a long day. Yeah. <laughs> Classic line from this movie. It's been a long day. I love like so. The, I was, I was say like the manliness in like that scene too, where it's like 
they walk in and like they see that it's one bed and they're just like oh how about that trip you know like oh man you know yeah. <laughs> tough you know I mean, he goes, well, then he turns and goes do you want to take a shower he's, he's like, like no. huh? what we're well, no, not no, together no, separate. <laughs> not with me yeah excellent he, he has his i know there's this shortcuts of things but when he goes into the bathroom the next morning and we'll get back to what happens in between but the only thing that he goes to wash off his face and the only thing dry to use to dry is a pair of, I don't know, what would that be? 47 inch waist underwear. <laughs> and then he, he looks down and there's a pair of socks soaking in the sink. <laughs> I, I would have vomited, I think. Oh, yeah. Hey, Ed, take your, take your socks out of the sink if you're going to brush your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Like, just <laughs> like they found a way to make him so over the top annoying. Like, it wouldn't even occur to to most people to do like half the stuff. Like, not only did he use up all the towels, put like disgusting stuff everywhere. Like the floor in the bathroom was soaking wet. Like, he, well, he put out. He took everything in his toiletry bag out and put it on the counter. Like any, anything that he could have found was on there. Well, and then even all that stuff plus like the the beer spilled on the bed. Like you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't have made it any worse. And the smoking. Because he complains about that too. It's great. And Neil gets the sheet, and Dell has the comforter. <laughs> like he's just this like skinny little guy in his like white undershirt and his boxers, and like I don't know. Dell's obviously a huge, massive guy that wouldn't get cold. And for the record, we, including present company included, I've shared plenty of bed with friends yeah. and been completely fine for the night. Yeah, but that bed seemed about a half a size too small. I think it was a- like they they specifically picked a bed that was a little bit too small. Yeah, I think that was a full. Like a full. Yeah, I don't even know if it was all the way to a full though. It was like a half, like nah. a, a half almost. Well, John Candy's not a small human being, so he's going to take up a, a very large amount of that full bed. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. You're going to have to to fill in the gaps for me somewhere along the Neil's impassioned speech that says. I can handle it all because I've been with, and I love how he grits. He's like, "Don't grits." Yeah, I forget what he references to what he would have to deal with. Like, I don't remember if it was a tooth extraction. I can sit through any insurance seminar. Yeah, any any board meeting, with a smile on my face, and they'd say, "Neil, how do how do you do it?" I can handle anything. I've been with Del Griffith. I, I, I like that they put that in. This early in the movie, yeah, because it's just going to get it goes way beyond this from there. There's a, there's way more stuff that goes worse, and he never comes back to that again. You would think he would come back and be like, "You are just the worst person I've ever I've ever met." Ed, can I tell you something right now? Yeah. So the 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 morning when they wake up and they're spooning, it yes. reminded me when we were at the beach with Bowers and you and he had his leg like over top of you, like hanging on you, like spooning you on the bed. <laughs> Literally, I laughed out loud when I found it. I was like, "That's Ed and Bauer spooning at the beach." <laughs> I don't remember that. Oh, I remember. Oh, we have pictures. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. It's tattooed, and I remember that very well. Uh, <laughs> well, there we go. It, it was. It was. I. I did ask him where his other hand was. <laughs> he said between two pillows. <laughs> yeah, those are pillows. That 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 scene that line is. I think from this movie, like the scene, the line that is the most remembered oh. because it immediately cuts into how about them bears? Yeah. 
Jeff, and uh, it, it was in it was in the thing because this movie was what would we say eighty seven? So the eighty this would be two years after the infamous eighty five Bears, and then eighty six. They even say that team was better, and then McMahon got hurt, and they fell apart. And I think eighty seven was the year of the strike. So obviously this was filmed way before the strike would have taken place, but that's where the Bears were at that point that they brought that up. So they were something like they would have nine and one. Yeah, they would have been very good. They still had that that um, defense. And uh, was Buddy Ryan still there? He might have left and gone to the Eagles by that point. But yeah, I didn't. Some I didn't do the backstory, but yeah, that's no. It was it was one of the internet facts I read. I didn't put it on here because it wasn't that important. But it was just an interesting anecdote about it's a little that. in the weeds. But yeah, they uh, they still would have been very good. But it's funny to watch too if. If you just mute the movie and look at, like, at that very part, you can tell that John Candy's, like, running out of stuff to do. He starts doing, like, these little, like, uh, like spinning and turning and, like, these little, like, calisthenic-type moves. It's like, you know. Oh, you mean as a distraction? Yeah. Or as a um, – You can tell, like, yeah, as a, only, like, like oh, I'm doing anything else possibly. You know, give yourself the willies. Like, you, you can only do so many things, but the scene's, like, too long that you can tell it's, like – I don't know. He's running out of stuff to do. They probably just did a couple takes and just said, just go with it. But yeah. Next thing is when they go to breakfast, do you have anything else from that room before I go on? Mm, like when he calls him the chatty Kathy doll, only the strings on the front. <laughs> <laughs> I like that part. Uh, and then it gets a little sad because you can tell it like hurts his feelings and yeah, they, they they actually copied that exact speech in an episode of Family Guy. <laughs> Peter gives the same impassioned speech that Dell gives. <laughs> I like me. My friends like me. You want to hurt me? It's fine. Yeah. I'm an easy target. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that happening on Family Guy. That makes, makes total sense. I, I have a, I have it, a it's funny. I have a question for both of you. If you guys had $700 yes. cash stolen from you, how upset and how long would you be upset for it? <laughs> I'd be physically ill for like three days. I well, think. Also think about it from the, like we're talking about that now in 2018, that would still be. Oh, exactly. Massive. Yeah. So it'd be like $1,500. Yeah. Like with inflation, you're talking well over a thousand dollars. I, I, yeah. And I, but... I have written down and said, why would you walk around with $700 in your wallet? Especially when he's just traveling home. I had that exact same written down. I was like, he traveled, he was just traveling home. I was like, for me, I was like, I'd be, like you said, I'd like physically ill for probably like three days, but I'd be pissed for like a month. <laughs> oh, easily, easily a month. And it's not like it's a credit card that you could cancel and get another one. And they'd give your, you know, they'd eventually give you your charges back. Or even if you only got some of it back, this is, it's gone and it's in the wind and you'll never hear from it again. Like there's nothing you can do about it. Gus's son that shows up. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's his name. We, we guy, him, like he gets his him. hand, <laughs> and he shakes his, <laughs> he hand, like, his hand. Oh, and then like, oh. His hand. <laughs> oh that's so good. <laughs> then he yells at his wife to get out of the car <laughs> with the truck. She she's small, but she's was it, she's sturdy. I think he's she's small and skinny. She's small and skinny, but she's strong. First she's baby, strong, yeah, came out sideways. She didn't scream or nothing. Yep, he, he that guy usually plays a stiff. Yeah, so that's a that's a comedic role. He's played in a bunch. Like he was in a couple episodes of Burn Notice. That's where I remember him from most. 
But I was like looking up his IMDb. He has, he's been he's done a lot of the TV circuit, but he always plays like uh, some type of stiff or some type of pencil pusher kind of guy. So it's funny to see him in this role this early in his career. He was uh, Dr. Connors, one of the professors in the second Spider-Man. Yes, yes, he was. Again, same kind of thing. Reptile. They didn't use him that yeah. way, but like in the comic book, he becomes the reptile. But yeah, he's like a nerdy. Which was the... Like he was a biology professor. That's the... Yeah, the reptiles in the... When they did the reboot, that's the Andrew Garfield one. That's the reptile. That's the same Spider-Man, guy. Spider-Man, yeah. They're on reboot number three of that one. He's he's the lizard guy? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, remember they did the, in the in the new reboot, but in the, in the second one, yeah, he worked with Dr. Octopus, right? Right. I think it was supposed so to be Force right, Atomic, so. and then they just, I don't know, didn't use it. They just, they used the name and just moved past it. They didn't make a bad guy out of him. So. Right. But yeah, that's the only thing that I can think of. But you're right. He always seems like he's like a nerdy, like businessman type. Yeah. And I, why is it that rednecks in the 80s were perceived to be chewing and having some form of sinus issue? Because they were. <laughs> that's, not the, that's not the only movie I've seen where they've kind of had that move. They're outside, man. I guess all that hay, but the bus ride. I have nothing is... to say about it really, other than the makeout scene where he's like, "Yeah, you could take a take a picture to last longer." I'm like, "How many times you hear that in your life?" Oh, about a thousand. But like right after it, Candy's going, "Oh, he got you got busted." Yeah, <laughs> he's the one pointed out the whole time. Then he comes up with some but... cheesy song for them to sing, and everyone looks because they think it's stupid, and then they'll does the Flintstone song and everyone knows it and likes it. Yeah, because they're all dumb. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're on a bus. What do you expect? I was like, why? The whole time I was like, why? Next is probably the next, I, I'd say the next most famous scene from the movie. And this made the movie go from being a PG-13 to an R-rated movie. <laughs> but him saying, the, him saying the F word, I think it's something like 17 times in 60 seconds. 18. 18. <laughs> I said I, I wanted to talk about right before that he does the whole like uh, selling shower curtain earrings. To, like, oh yeah, the, yes, yes. But he, and at the very end, he goes, "It's five dollars a pair, and that's two for seven dollars." Three, I was like, literally, like, like, wait, 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 catch that? Five dollars a pair, two for seven dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he 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 was able to work it. I I did skip over when they go to breakfast right after that. And it is pretty funny the way he's, uh, Neil says the, you know, when we really put our heads together, we're getting nowhere. Like it, he directs the sentence a little differently than what you'd expect. And it's, it's another awkward breakup moment between the two of them. And I didn't keep track, but it's got to be what, three or four or five of them in the whole movie. I think he, he knows the guy's like got a good heart, but, and he's trying not to like hurt his feelings, but doesn't want to be around him at all anymore. I, I think it's just he just wants like 12 minutes of silence. That's all. How may I help you, Ed? You can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your <laughs> fucking cheeks. <laughs> like he says, I want to. A fucking Datsun, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Buick, four fucking wheels and a seat. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the, it's the less quoted of the two scenes out of this movie i'll say and the main reason is because of the vulgarity you can't say that you know over coffee at work all the time right 
it's a it's a fantastic scene. Well, it's also a perfect build up because she is this like sweet little rosy cheeked like, oh, I'm gonna make the stuffing, blah 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 blah, like uh, yeah, sweet thing. And then it's perfect gobble, gobble up gobble so again. that like her line is so perfect. Yeah. Oh. Do you have your rental agreement? You're fucked. Like, yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> Yeah, as that's the best uh, use of all the f words in that scene. That was the best one. So uh, to go along with your doesn't make sense with the plot point, the credit card switch. I just thought of this. So Neil rents it with his credit card. Wouldn't Neil have noticed his credit card was missing when he pulled it out to rent the car? Well, he had three. Remember, he had like yeah, but he would have probably pulled out that other one and looked at it. That's like his main card, right? Yeah, just a random thought. Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, again, that's the that goes under the I know it's a movie, but also they use the swipe machine, so maybe they don't care. Like, you wouldn't know if it cleared right then, so they might have just swiped discount credit card from the airline that says Delta. Yeah, you don't, so maybe, yeah, you don't find out for days, right? So maybe Dell's the one that got like screwed with the lost rental agreement. You know, like if it was actually charged to his. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, it would have charged to his account for a car that wasn't there, and he still had to pay for it. So, but then Neil got charged for one that burned. So, Uh, next great line comes shortly after this. If I wanted a joke, I'd follow you into the john and watch you take a leak. Yeah, that was when we were getting into uh, best lines. That's the one I was going to use because I thought that was, (laughs) as far as one-liners, that was the best one. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Although, the, shortly after that... I've never seen a guy get picked up by his testicles before. Lucky thing for you, that cop passed by when he did. Otherwise, you'd be lifting up your schnuts to tie your shoes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm literally looking at my locks here, and you guys are like saying every single thing that I have, like, like down to a team, like, damn it, damn it, damn it. <laughs> well, we say the quote, in, and then we can bring it up later. It's, it's worth going through several times. It's Ed. worth repeating. My question is, did they have automatic seats in the 80s? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Here, here's, here's my question for you. And I, think about this for a second. Fun question. Who would you least like to travel with? And I'm not saying it has to be a car. Uh, it just, let's just say you need to get from here to San Antonio, Texas. Who is the least you'd want to travel with? Del Griffith, Kathy Griffin, or Kathy Lee Gifford? least Kathy Griffin. That's kind of where I was going to. Because Kathy Lee Gifford would at least be bringing lots of wine. I'm not a, really a wine drinker, but it'd make it tolerable. Yeah, Kathy Griffin. Yeah, I, I was just kind of like thinking, who would you at least want to travel with? I was like, Del Griffith. And then I started kind of matching up the names that went after it. But I agree, Kathy Griffin. Yeah, Kathy no Griffin, I'd probably so... <laughs> try to smack her head off the dash. <laughs> Mike, can I, can I say this to you? You're not you're not so perfect yourself. You play with your balls a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Larry Boyd doesn't play with his balls as much. Handling <laughs> in one night than you do in one hour. <laughs> you, you know what I'd really like? <laughs> a few extra balls and a set an extra set of hands. <laughs> so that would make you happy uh, right? again. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's what you know would make me happy. That's what it is. I tell you what, though, uh, it's hard for me to get my coat off whenever I'm hot in the car. I can't imagine being Dell. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember the first time I saw that scene and I was sitting next to you Adam because we watched it at my house mm-hmm. when we were like I don't know 17 or something 
probably before that. And we laughed. We laughed like absolute maniacs when Dell changed into the devil. Yeah, just for like. A split and split. I think we rewound it like six times on VH. When I watched it this time around, I laughed harder at him fighting with his coat. Yeah, it's that whole that whole thing is funny. Yeah, it is. It's it's tremendous. It's so well done. Now, looking back, like if it were me trying to get home to my family and some guy nearly killed me by driving head into two tra- two tractor trailers, the gut punch would have been the least of my the things I did to him. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, could have killed him, right? <laughs> Tell who did. Oh had. yeah, <laughs> Tell who did. Tell who did. As we said in our text exchange the other day, you said your dad will start laughing every time that gut punch. Oh, happens. for sure. And that was my exact response. I know. Was that Tom Houdini dad? I know exactly what part of the movie it is by how hard he's laughing. Because there's like certain parts where he'll like chuckle. Like he really laughs at like the, the scene we talked about with like, those aren't pillows. And yeah. then the gut punch <laughs> is his next like big laugh break where I can tell. He's just losing it when then he trips over the uh, the trunk right after he does it. It's uh, <laughs> he does go straight over the trunk. That's yeah. Jimbo's favorite part by far. I like them. I, I do laugh to it. He's like, we should probably go get my trunk out of the middle of the road. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go get it. <laughs> so I had this thought. Uh, the, another funny thing is we can laugh about it now because we're all right. Like he says that immediately after it happens. <laughs> yeah. I think your body needs a little more time to, because you imagine the amount of adrenaline flowing through your body at that point. <laughs> you wouldn't be laughing about it right away. It, it would take quite a while. That would be something you laugh about like 19 years later, <laughs> not, not, not 19 seconds. Well, that's not why Neil's laughing. Neil's laughing as he thinks he, he like uh, rented the car with his own credit card and got Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. He's like, you, you ended up fucking yourself. Only yeah. you, you did it to yourself. And he like, and then Dell's laughing because he knows that's not the case. So, I have a the, my my biggest one big issue with this movie. I I agree with the credit card thing, and this is major nitpicking, but there's some continuity problems with the drive that they have, and I'm sure you both notice this too, but. So when the car is on fire, there's a sign that says, right before the sign says Chicago, 102 miles. So I looked up what would be 102 miles between Chicago and St. Louis, and it puts them right on the highway Route 55, just outside of a place called Pontiac, Illinois. <laughs> it's like two hours from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. So theoretically. 15 times, never even looked at that one time. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that sign. Because when, when they're driving, right before they get off the exit, when he's driving, there's a sign that says Chicago, 102 miles. Weren't they also and driving? I, I, the I looked up like what it would be. What's that? Weren't they also driving the wrong way? This is before they. This is before they get off the exit. Um, as he's like driving and they're they're uh, freaking out. As he's freaking out with the that he's stuck. It shows a sign that says Chicago, 102 miles. I think it's actually right when he falls asleep. So as I said, that would put them only. Granted, let's say they drove five miles back in the other direction. They're still only like two hours from Chicago. So the car is on fire. Somehow they managed to get the car to stop being on fire and drive it. <laughs> Without it's the cops showing up. <laughs> Without the police showing up. <laughs> there is a great line he says later when they when he 
when he finally brings him into the room, he's like, Was that seat hot or what? <laughs> like a big whopper. How hot was that car seat? I felt like a whopper. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's my that's my big thing. And then uh so and then after this, and again, I know this is a lot of complaining, but they they're all over the place with this. They get up the next day after they, of course, back it into the ha- the building and drive off. They drive for X no X amount of time. They get pulled over in what I think is Wisconsin. Because I think Michael McKeon, another cameo in the movie, is wearing a Wisconsin State Trooper thing. I think I read that later. I read that in the internet facts. They get, they finally get to, they get in a semi truck. And he says, we're three hours away. Where the fuck are they driving? Yeah. They're all over the Midwest. Yeah, these are questions for sure. These are questions that I just don't, it, it just, they kind of didn't quite line up. Like they should have wrecked, had them catch on fire much earlier. But also, because it's, it's like, I looked it up, it's like a five hour drive from St. Louis to Chicago. Also, I'm not good at, like you mentioned, the cameos. Like I would never know that guy's real name. I could tell you that he was in Airheads, he was in a bunch of other stuff. But like, um, yes, the hotel attendant. <laughs> I was written down. Damn it is, <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's the guy that gets eaten by the T Rex on the portish on the portabot. He's like the lawyer. Yes, he bar. is. Yes, you know, he is. I was about. I have written down Adam, second hotel guy. Apparently, went to law school and started <laughs> representing Hammond and was killed and eaten by a T Rex <laughs> six years That's later. What he did shortly after that. That's what he did. Uh, let's see. That would have been seven years <laughs> later. Like, yeah, I think ninety four was ninety three. So six years <laughs> after that, he really turned that quick turnaround. Turn he turned that watch into you know his first tuition payment. Yeah, he did. That was his. Yeah, yeah. He, he he turned it turned his whole life around. <laughs> I did laugh. Um, I kind of no skimmed over, but when they when they're getting on the highway, because they have no turn signal, he's you see John Candy reaching his hand out the window as his left turn signal. Well, also, right as they make, no they make a turn going like thirty five miles an hour. Right. Yeah. Do you know how fast you're going? Not really, because our speedometer's melted. I was just going to say, I was like, how is that car even running, let alone going 78 miles per hour? Right. (laughs) Oh, and they're on a donut, too. The back right tire is a donut. Right. Oh, I did miss one, another great John Candy line. (laughs) After they go through the two cars, through the two trucks, he gets out, he goes, I thought it'd be a lot worse. This will buff right out. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's true. That's a good line. I, I glanced over that, but that's hilarious. I don't have anything else because the end of the movie is, yeah. For what for the rest of this movie, it doesn't quite flow right with it. So you don't have any. Uh, if you guys, no, we lost those. Not a working <laughs> signal. No. Like uh, I love that little like lift. Of, you don't have any working gauges. No, but uh, nope. Nope, clear not a one. the radio works. <laughs> not a one. That's right. Not a one. <laughs> nope. Not a one. <laughs> But the radio works. It's clear as a bell. It's the funniest thing. Yeah, that's that's a really good scene. That's a very classic John Candy exchange. Like, I feel like I've heard him have that exact, very similar conversation where he's obliviously aware of what's going on and dancing around it in several other movies. Yeah, he's a, he's a good improv guy. Oh yeah, I mean he he was notoriously one of those second city guys with Ackroyd in them. Mm-hmm. He's the uh, Poker King um, of Sheboygan. Humble. Oh yeah, that's right, the Poker King of Sheboygan. 
Home Alone, yeah. We just gonna. I'm I'm good. I, I don't know if you there? guys want to do anything else between now and the end of the movie because I have I have, I'm ready to move on to the end. That's where yeah, the just some thoughts on the movie. I do like when they're in the back of Owen's truck. Oh, there's a couple other things too. Like I like when they're in the back of Owen's truck and there's that dog and yeah, like leaning back. Give him the goddamn gloves. <laughs> I like that. a good John Candy yell. Yeah, John Candy is like uh, just nip, just nip. <laughs> I like that part, and I like uh, when the train breaks down when they're and then they have to drag his trunk to the road and take the bus. <laughs> I like when the engineers get out and the one guy goes to the other. Ah, oh, what did you do here? <laughs> like the whole train smoking, <laughs> blames the other guy right away. I like that. But other than that, yeah, that's it. All right, let's get on to the the other thoughts. Mike, why don't you go first? I was like, how many times did Neil almost die? The very beginning, he almost got run over by a taxi when he was racing for the taxi against uh, Footloose. Yeah, good luck beating Kevin. Yeah. And then he almost gets run over by another taxi. When he gets his taxicles ripped off. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's not a taxi. That's that's Nell. That's uh, Dell's car. Well, I know De- Dell's car. Yeah. He's at the taxi yeah. stand. Yeah, that's right. yes. Yes. yeah, yeah. That's what he's. They get in that car wreck. Virtually, the car explodes pretty much right. Also, forget that. I also like when they uh, when they're pulling out of that second hotel and he backs in. We got a rocket. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I like that Neil's the one pushing and Dell's the one driving. Where he's like he. I don't know, three times his size, you know. <laughs> Why would you Yeah, he should be the one pushing. He could get a lot more inertia behind it. Do you have a bad back? Well I do, and it hurts like a bugger. But um yeah, I thought that was funny how they had the little guy pushing and the big guy driving. Probably gave him the bad back line. <laughs> yeah. The nice little I said the nice little wholesome ending when they're like walking together down the street holding the trunk kind of like they're just holding hands together, walking, walking to the house that I have, I have a major problem with that. That's absurd. Why would you not get a ride all the way to your house? <laughs> Why would you stop a block away to walk down the middle of the street carrying a massive trunk? Well, I always kind of wondered that too. Did he, did they walk from like the, not, I know it's not called the Metro or the L or whatever. Which, what, yeah. It's called the L in Chicago. Just yeah. walk from they didn't have any money. Yeah. Cause they wouldn't have had any money. But how far would that be to a nice suburb to any L stop? Is probably quite a quite a ways. I mean, Mike, how far are you from the the train stop, the nearest one? Walking. Uh, ten ten minutes maybe. Walking, yeah. When I was in D.C., it was fifteen for us, and we weren't even in a nice suburb. We were still in a relatively densely packed area, not quite as dense as you, Mike, and. From like me to the train stop where I'm at is a 22 minute drive, so yeah, that would be a little bit far. And there's there, there may they may not have had cell phones, but there were such things as collect calls back then. And he could and, have called his wife or, and said, or, and, "Come pick and me up." Family that's at his house. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. You couldn't get one person to come and pick your ass up, Adam. How did you know that was an elevated train? Well, it's when. Um... Like that last scene where Dell stays. You can see Tell where. Me. Replay that, Adam. Let me know. Let me let me hear what an elevated trade sounds like. What? Come on, guys. Your movie game's weak. What, The Fugitive? 
Thank you. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I, I, I got it when you said the sound. I didn't know what you were getting at first. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that, I'm sure that's why I know. You're right. Because I've been to Chicago once and I didn't take the L. Still never been there. It's on the list. Well, that's not true. I've actually been there twice. I was actually there for work when they um, – the, it just so happened that the time I was there was game six and game seven of the World Series when they won. Oh, that must have been a little fun. Yeah. Probably a little crazy, really. Uh, yeah. There was – I can't remember if it was game six or game seven. It must have been game six where the Indians hit like a three-run home run to to take the lead. It was like the sixth or seventh inning. It was late in the game. And you could literally hear a pin drop. Like we were in this like densely crowded bar and it's like they sucked all the oxygen out of the room. It's like it, – because I didn't care at all. You know, I was just there for work, and obviously I'll watch the World Series. I don't really care if the Cubs win or not. But It's cool to watch in a city as it's going right. on. Like, that would be worth going for. But that that's the – that's a fan base that has 108 years of that kind of shit happening right. to them. Yeah. That they just know once that happens – It was it's fitting like, that Cleveland over. would play them for that. Like, yeah. yeah. Two historical garbage franchises that one of them would have to win. How much money yeah, it was, do you think Neil's out right now? At least seven hundred dollars. Well, what about the car, the hotel, the car, the seven hundred dollars cash? Yeah, That's, all the hotel rooms. Yeah, but if he saves his boarding pass, he can get refunded for the difference. So he's got that coming to him. No, there you go. I think huh. he's fucked. Again. <laughs> I think he's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what about you, Adam? What's your thoughts on the movie? Um, like I said, I, I think it's John Candy's best movie. I do think there are plenty of things where you think like, is that really how that would have happened? But I mean, we already talked about that, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's hysterical start to finish. I mean, they try to like warm it up at the end with like the gushy, you know, Dell's going to be fine, but is he really? Cause that's, I, I kind of always wondered like 20 minutes after that, like, all right, Dell, time to leave. You know, what's, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, how did how did they segue that? But did he just move into their house? Yeah, that movie's rock solid from start to finish. Like that opening scene where they first share the hotel, like set the stage perfectly. Is like this tightly wound yeah. business and like rich, like used to first class. You know, he's got to slum it with this guy, and he's like super annoying in every way. I forgot the part that he's like when they're finally going to sleep and he's laying in beer. Dell's like clearing his sinuses. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then he wants to read. Like he doesn't even want to go to bed. He's like, me too. I am bushed. And then he's trying to read the magazines, like shuffling with the lighter. And then, yeah, yes. He, he turns off the lamps. He has to do, use the lighter. Like just annoying start to finish. And it's just like perfect how they played off each other. It's, it also ages really well. I think like you said, you know, cell phones, I don't know. It's like Seinfeld, like the entire series of Seinfeld couldn't happen now with cell phones. Like there was all those. No, yeah, exactly. It, that, Seinfeld, that's a fantastic point. The entire premise of self, Seinfeld was based off of missed connections. Right. And not, people not being aware of what's going on. But I agree with you. This movie does age really well. And if you take it for exactly what it is, it does fantastically. Yeah. I, I mean, try not to, to look too much into movies like, you know, like continuity and everything like that because it's really hard. Like, like any movie that I ever watch, you're gonna pick some. You're gonna pick some things out that 
you're like, ah, oh, you know, what if this, what if that, like, this doesn't make much sense. Like it's, you just kind of got to like sit back and watch the movie and try to like, not like pick as much of that. I mean, I know now like, you know, I'm breaking it down a little bit more and like paying a little bit more attention, but it like, I just try not to even like pay attention to a lot of that stuff. Just try to enjoy it. It's funny. Oh, I still enjoy the movie. It's just, that always bothered me even before when I've watched this, I'm like that, how far because i just was watching like how fucking far is that drive from st louis to chicago and it's literally like five hours it's not 14 as they made it seem to be that's not terrible a couple a couple thoughts for i have number one so i've traveled for work the anxiety is real of trying to get home i've dealt with the flight changes and stuff but i do have two real true stories of planes, trains, and automobiles of, of issues. Uh, one, you were part of Adam Snowden. Vegas. I, I, yes. I have been in a city that had the heart, the worst snowstorm in 30 years in two cities that I don't live in. <laughs> Vegas was one. And when I was traveling to Raleigh, North Carolina all the time, the airport shut down and I had two extra days and I had to drive to Greensboro at 6 a.m or like 4.30 in the morning to get a plane and stuff. And it, it's it's real, though. Now, granted, as I said, because I flew Delta all the time, and I had the Delta app, and I'd just get a notification on, that said, oh, your flight's been delayed. You're going to miss your connection. I'd go right into the app, change flights, and I was fine. So I, I didn't have remotely the amount of anxiety to this. Also, him trying to get a hold of his wife, that was before call waiting. That was before really answering machines even. So if you called, like the one time he called and she was at his, or the daughter was at her recital, he was like, she didn't know if he was alive or dead for like three days probably. Because he never really was able to call her, talk to her, any of that stuff. But that, the, the anxiety is real when you're, when you're trying to get home. But I, ha- I have an interesting thought because I thought of this as I was watching the movie, especially when the car caught on fire. How much do you think this movie was an inspiration to making the movie Tommy Boy? Mm. There's a lot of things in Tommy Boy that are in this movie. Certainly the car getting wrecked. You know, that's salesman that can't get salesman that can't get out of his own way. The car getting wrecked. The um what was the other thing I was thinking of? Midwest. And there's uh maybe Midwest, Chicago. Uh there's a lot of like anecdotes that kind of like were pieces that got plucked out of Tommy boy and put a lot of the physical humor, all that kind of stuff got plucked out and then put in. It was when I saw them driving down the road with a car that was completely shred and then, and then thought of Tommy boy. And I'm like, that's kind of, and we already talked about the John Candy, uh, Chris Farley quasi comparison between the two also. Oh yeah. But John Candy, was like, uh, I feel like he probably was a trendsetter as far as like the big heavy set comedic, you know, comic relief. Yeah, because before that, a heavy set comic relief was like John Belushi, and he's not a big guy at all. Right. He just had like a little bit of a gut on him. <laughs> I always think of those uh, the chocolate donuts commercial for the Olympics, and he's like smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> I start my day with chocolate donuts. <laughs> Does that big like high jump or uh, pole vault? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like totally not him at the top, you know. I don't know. I now I always think of that for evolution. Oh, one more thing because 
I, I don't know about you guys. I'm not the biggest Steve Martin fan. I don't dislike him or anything, but I'm not. He was like perfect for this role. Yeah. Because I think it fits his personality. But you don't need. We're not going to do a five or anything. But what would you think is your favorite Steve Martin movie? Other than, of course, uh, Cheaper by the Dozen, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything with that. Um, ooh. This is certainly my favorite of, like, Plane, Trains, Automobiles. I like this movie a lot, just in general. So I can't think of another Steve Martin. I thought the jerk kind of sucked. Yeah, I think it's overrated. Yeah, everybody, oh my god, like comedic classic, like certain movies like that. I just think, like, I don't know. Everyone has a hard on for Pulp Fiction. I, I don't know. You mean anything Woody Allen? Anything Woody Allen? Anything Quentin Tarantino? Like, as long as it's different, it's better. Like, I don't see the two as synonymous, but there's a handful of Tarantino movies that are pretty good. I like *Dawn*. I thought that was a good movie, but I've, I've now, I'm now in the weeds. But to get back to your actual question, I, I don't think. I like. Uh, I want to throw one. I, I want to throw one at you. Well, it. Mike, where do you where do you stand first before I I, I throw one out there? Because I thought of it while we were going through um, these. I would say for him, probably, I like the Three Amigos and I like Bowfinger. Yeah, Three Amigos is the one I was thinking of. Bowfinger was one of those movies that when it was over, I remember I watched it with you, Adam. We were like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> yeah, it, and it just <laughs> like the whole movie was over. I'm like, I don't get it. It like didn't have an ending. It just like kind of stopped. Yeah. Like, they film, like, that fake action movie sequence, which we laughed at that. But the, I don't think I laughed at another thing in that entire movie. No, it wasn't funny at all. Yeah. But but Three Amigos was the movie I was thinking. I was like, that movie, because it, it, I've, I've seen it recently. Aaron likes that movie and tapes it every now and again when it's on. And I've watched, like, bits and pieces of it as she's watching. I'm like, this movie's still pretty funny. Oh, you guys got VHS over there? Yeah. <laughs> Loser. No. DVR, big guy. You guys are DVR. Nineteen aren't you? Yes. There's a certain genre of movie that exists be- that was made between eighty-five and ninety-five that Aaron's a big fan of. That'll come on, and she's like, "I'm, I'm going to watch it." Well, Zara and I were just talking about this. Like, how many droves of VHSs do you think our parents have of just like stupid taped things? Like, oh, this is a random hockey game from nineteen ninety-four that you know. We taped Ryan's and then Adams in the same day, like, like nonsense like that. Like, I don't know, like religious ones. For like for a solid twenty years of my life, I remember my parents having a Yakov Smirnoff stand-up bit taped because <laughs> it said Yakov Smirnoff on the side, and I was like, "Who is this guy?" And I've never watched it, but I always remember they had that. That in the movie Funny Farm. Do you know what my dad had? Uh, my dad has a VHS tape. It was like a, it was a Lou Ferrigno Incredible Hulk movie, <laughs> and like the, do you remember? This is um, this is obscure. You might not get this, but like um, the guy who played Thor, he was like the gay guy in American Wedding, that was like having the dance off with Stifler. It's like that big... I never saw American Wedding. I gave up on that series. Anyway. Sorry, but... But, like, my dad has a VHS of that. Like, oh. I can tell you where it is in my house. Oh, wait. No, I do know who you're talking about. In um, in the gay bar. Yeah. The big, the big dude. Yeah, he's like a big... Like, yeah, he's like a jacked guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Sorry, I have seen that movie. I think it's American Reunion I never saw. But... All right, we're we're drifting. Let's let's get through the rest of this here. <laughs> Best scene. 
There's a lot to choose from. Adam, why don't you go first? I don't think – I don't – there's a lot of good scenes in the movie, but the first hotel scene at the Braidwood Inn is easily my favorite as far as just – it's so funny, the stuff that happens to him. And then after all that, he goes in just to rinse his face off, like kind of wash the day off, and he like puts his face in that like sock water. <laughs> Yes, and then ties it off with like used whitey tidy underwear. Like, I, I have that as the the best scene. I I agree, and I also threw in the driving the 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 coat getting stuck and driving the car between the two tractor trailers. Yeah, that's, just because of how hard I laughed at those scenes before. Yeah, that's you're right. That's hilarious. There's no wrong answer. This movie's great. Yeah, Mike. Any more to add? Um, I agreed with Adam. I thought that the scene where they're in that first hotel is spot on. I also had, but it's kind of like my favorite line too. I put that like, you know, the whole fucking part. <laughs> just like a little scene. He's just walking, just walking in and just like walks up and he's just, God, it's just, it's just so good. I just think we're just like, and I really didn't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway. <laughs> I really a funny a Pretty funny weird. anecdote about that scene that we, we forgot to mention is he has his tie, like, not around his head, like, around his, under his chin and over the top of his head. How yeah, do you end up like cover, that? He's probably trying to cover his ears. She's probably was walking in the cold. Good point, Mike. Good point. He probably was covering his ears. I never did the math on that. It's true. I never thought, gave it any thought, but that's probably that's probably true. The company left him in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there and he really didn't care about fucking walking down the fucking highway across the fucking runway to get back there to have her fucking smile on his fucking face. <laughs> Ed. <laughs> I want to fucking turn right fucking now. <laughs> Way to throw me under the bus, Mike. <laughs> I agree with all of that because really any one of those three wins for me and there are, as you said, Adam, there is about nine other ones you could throw in there too, including when Owen shows up and spits on his hand to shake his hand. I laughed so hard when that happened. Oh, yeah. Because uh, um, he also goes, do the shower curtain fella. <laughs> That's how he asks who he is. Yeah. So uh, what's your worst scene? Let's start with you, Mike. We'll go in reverse order. I said that that bus singing scene, that, that just didn't really do it for me. Not a lot to it. Not a lot to it, but it just but added one more level of it. He was right. He said he said to him, he goes, Have you ever like experienced, you know, like riding on a bus where he's like, nah, he's like, Well, you're not gonna be in a better mood. And that's how the movie felt for me. It did not make me in a better mood after I watched that scene. Yeah. Luckily it's a short scene. Luckily it's only a few minutes long. Adam to you. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I there's nothing nothing really funny. I mean, I know they were trying to make it funny, like, oh, Dell's like, eyeballing that couple, and then Neil's the one that gets busted. Like, I don't know. It just wasn't on the same level with the other scenes in the movie. We'll, we'll put this. They could have cut it out, and you wouldn't have lost anything. Yeah, that's, I'm in agreement. I'm, I'm going to throw in the ending. It's too sappy. It doesn't quite fit. Like, this, the movie is so funny and dark. And by dark, I mean like dark comedy dark, which is miserable for an hour and 41 minutes of the movie. 
And then they have this like super sappy, sad. They're walking down the street carrying their suitcases we talked about. And then like this really melodramatic her saying hello to Dell and him saying hello, Mrs. Page. And then the movie just fucking ends. Like it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> it's like they wrote it's like they had a different ending and they didn't know what to do with it. I didn't look this up, so this might be a dumb question, but is is his son is that Joey Lawrence? No, but I know I know who you're talking about. I saw I think I think yeah, Mike, look that up while while we move while we uh, get on to the next thing. See if you can look up who that kid is. He might be the kid if you from um, Mrs. Doubtfire. I think it is the kid from yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire. That's actually yeah. what I was going to yeah. say. That's who it looks yeah. like. Matthew Lawrence. Is he the kid from Mrs. Doubtfire? Oh, so it's his yeah. brother. Yeah, my and that you're probably right. Good, good pull there, Adam. He probably is. Uh, there's some form of relativity to it. Yep, Joey Lawrence. All right, nice. Nice. He is the middle brother of three with Andrew Lawrence and the youngest and the youngest and Joey Lawrence the oldest. All right. Whoa. Let's move on to the I know it's a movie, but so you already mentioned it, but the part that I always wondered how they one got the fire out and then got to the hotel. Like, how was the car even working to get there? And like you said, like, no cops, no tow truck, no, you know. There's no logistics in getting there. They just, like, pop up at that shady-ass hotel. Yeah, and let's say, theoretically, they did, they did get to that hotel. The first thing I would have done when I got in the room is called my wife and said, I'm two hours away. When you get up tomorrow, please come get me. Yeah, exactly. Send your father-in-law to come get me. Yeah. I put down that about uh, the train when it broke down. Like, would they really make you walk through, like, fields and shit like that? Like, a mile in the cold? It's an, it's an excellent point. He's like, just, he's like, go a mile over there and there'll be trucks waiting for you. It's like, that's a little, um, yeah, so, like, you know, in the cold, in the mud. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been on a big passenger train like that, so I don't know how they handle it, but I agree. So let's get into the last part, the the, the most fun here. Uh, what's your best line? Because there's a lot of them. So Adam, what, what would be yours? I I really like the um, where are you going? He's Chicago. You know you're in St. Louis. Why don't you get an air- yeah? You know why don't you get an air- a plane ticket? You know it's a lot faster and you get a free meal. It's funny if I wanted a joke, I'd follow you into the john and watch you take a leak. That's that's my favorite line in the movie. A close second Can't. is the, the lady at the rental counter saying, you're fucked. I thought that was perfect. Two good choices, Adam. Mike, from you? Play with your balls a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny the way he says it, too. His delivery is what makes it even better. He's like, he's like, really, really good. Tell me, tell me something that annoys you about me. He's like, you play with your balls a lot. I do not play with my balls. Larry Bird doesn't do as much ball handling in one night as you do in an hour. Are you trying to start a fight? No, I'm simply stating a fact, that's all. You fidget with your nuts a lot. You know what would make me happy? Have a couple balls and an extra set of fingers? (laughs) Totally did not expect that. I completely forgot that that was a lot. (laughs) Bird doesn't do as much ball handling as you is a really nice exclamation point on it. 
Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going to go with the Between Two Pillows. Del. Why did you kiss my ear? Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Between Two Pillows. Those aren't pillows. That that little sequence right there. That's that's my favorite because it's just it's as I said it's probably the most iconic line out of the movie. Yeah, that was good. So, um, on to the favorite character, worst character. There's really only two to choose from. So it's which one do you like more? Which one do you like less? But uh, unless there's someone else you want to throw in there, I'm always up to listen. But I, I think the best character's got to be Dell, right? No question. Yeah. Mike, Dell, and then I. Again, I'm not the biggest Steve Martin fan, but he plays this character well, and Neil Page is just kind of a dick. I put down Susan so. Page. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, you hate women in movies. We so. <laughs> <laughs> hate women in movies. What are you talking about? <laughs> Mike and I have discovered as we did these, we're not always the biggest fan of women Which in is movies. the Adrian Balboa of this movie. Just an unsupportive Lay in bed. All right, I'll see you when I see you. Like... Uh, not making any moves to help the situation. Nope. Yeah, get yeah. your fucking ass down to uh, wherever that was in Illinois and pick them up. Yeah, re- how about you rent a car and come get me? I don't know. Or there's probably a car at the house. Yeah. Sure. That big of the house, they probably had two vehicles. That so, uh, one vehicle? Like, it might be left it there. Yeah, yeah, probably. You probably drive a ride out to the airport. Or get a ride out to the airport and get the car. You know what? The car's not at the airport because he took the train back. So, anyways. All right. So, there's some internet facts. Uh, I, I'll try to get through these quickly because there's a good amount of them. Uh, no transportation company wanted to appear inept or def- deficient in any way. So, crews had to rent 20 miles of train track and refurbish old railroad cars, construct a set that looked like an airline terminal, design a rent a car company logo and uniforms, and rent 250 cars for the infamous rent a car sequence. Wow. Yeah, so they had to put a lot of work together to get this. Uh, John Candy and Steve Martin both said this is their favorite film that they made. That's fine. Not surprising there. The airport scene in Wichita, when the airline employee announces that the flight has been canceled, you can see on the board behind that the destination of the flight is, quote, nowhere. <laughs> I, didn't see, I didn't see it because I, I, I did this beforehand and then I forgot to look when I watched it. Next, uh, John, in, John Hughes, in an interview on the Are Those Two Pillows DVD, <laughs> said he was inspired to write the film's story after an actual flight from New York to Chicago he was on was diverted to Wichita, Kansas, thus taking him five days to get home. Oh. Yes, that's miserable right there. Next one. The exterior of the aircraft in flight is a reuse of the 707 flying through the storm from the movie Airplane also released by the same film company, Paramount Pictures. Hmm. I didn't notice it, but I believe it. Because they'll reuse film to then have to recut stuff. Next, the marathon car rental scene is exactly one minute long from the time Steve Martin starts his tirade to the time the attendant ends the scene. In that 60 seconds, the word fucking is used 18 times. That word is only said in that scene. So you were right, Mike. You had the right number. Many of the highway scenes were actually filmed on the stretch at that time 
unopened highway, U.S. Highway 219, that runs between Buffalo and Springville, New York. Now, both of you should know that road because we have driven that on the way to Niagara Falls. Yeah. That is the exact road that you go when you take the straight shot up from, from Indiana. 119 to 219. Yep. Yep. That runs up from Punxsy all the way up to Buffalo. And lastly, Del Griffith's large trunk contains a pillow and a picture of his wife. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's hypoallergenic. <laughs> so that's all I had. Mike, I'm, I'm sure you found some more out there because I, I saw there were some additional facts, but I didn't, I didn't write them all down. Well, talking, um, he wrote a script, I believe, in three days. Wow. It's like first draft of the script took him three days to write. It says it typically – lock himself in a room. It takes typically takes him three to five days to complete a screenplay. Wow. It's fast. Well, he's pretty talented. Or he has no life. I don't know if I told you guys this. Zara got me – this is like a couple of years ago. She got me um, – a copy of the original Dumb and Dumber script and uh, an actual Polaroid of Jeff Daniels. Like you can tell it's, I mean, it's a Polaroid, so you can tell it was like in the room, but in the, it's him like with his like goofy hair. And then in the background is Beth Jordan. Like you can tell they're just doing like a reading or whatever, but um, that's cool. It is wildly different. Like so, so different from what is actually written to what actually appeared on screen. So I'd imagine that's probably true for this too. Yeah. I don't know if they let them do a lot of improv or not. Cause usually that's, that's when you see that kind of thing happen where you get major changes. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. Well, we can, if we ever do the dumb and dumber one, I'll have plenty of insights for you, but. Uh, oh, we'll do it. We'll do it. It's on the list. Don't worry. And you'll be there. We'll make sure of it. I might Keep going, Mike. Sorry, go ahead. That's all I got. Okay. Uh, one more that I, I forgot to mention is they had a lot of trouble trying to find – they were trying to – while they were trying to film this, they were looking for areas of snow, and they drove essentially from, like, Wichita, Kansas to Buffalo, New York, and it, there was a, a hot – like, a December, essentially like a December thaw, and there was no snow anywhere. So they're having a real tar- hard time getting shots of snow on that whole stretch. And the only time they finally got snow is when they got to 219. And that's why they filmed a lot of it up there. Mm. So interesting part there. So last, last piece here, something Mike and I have added recently. So where are they now? So this film took place 31 years ago. So a lot would have changed for the, the two of them. They were in their 40s then, 30s, 40, I guess 30s then. Yeah, I guess. And so they'd be in their, like their 60s now. So where would they be now? So we'll start with Neil Page. I've got one. Mike's got one. And Abe, you're welcome to chime in if you have your own. Uh, I said, Neil promised to make a career change, to travel less and be home with the family. However, he never followed through, which eventually led to lots of fighting and a messy divorce. She kept the house. Uh, I'd say today he's living in a small apartment in Chicago and uh, miserable. Um, do both years because I combined mine. Okay. So, Del Griffith. Del found new confidence due to his relationship with Neil. In 1990, he was promoted to sales director of all of American Light and Fixture. He took a position, at the, uh, a position as the North American sales director in 1997 for 
the newly formed pharmaceutical company Novartis, now one of the largest in the world. He successfully drove the North American sales for the next 10 years. He invested his Amazon in the early 2000s and grew his wealth to over $100 million. Today, he is retired living in the Bahamas. <laughs> they're, 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 their X is crossed and everything has gone in different directions since. What do you got, Mike? All right. The only thing I couldn't get is I couldn't figure out what they're selling. I said Dell and Neil both decided to go into business together, selling. Couldn't think of what they were going to be selling. I go with with Neil being the brains of the operation and Dell being you know the people person that does all the sales. This way, Neil can spend more time with his family, and they both end up well off. Dell ends up marrying the car rental lady that told Neil to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and go. They are both they are both wealthy and retired. I go with Dell living in Jamaica because he talks about going to Jamaica. He does, and then he actually becomes the, rum. the guy from Cool Runnings. Yeah, yeah. He comes um, so to that team. I I had a really dark one that I was gonna do, and I'm gonna say it now just because it, it. Who gives a shit? Uh, I said Dell was arrested three years after this. When evidence surfaced, when they found the buried body of his wife at the house he had lived in originally, oh, Jesus said, he convinced Neil to post bail by putting up a second mortgage and skipped town and went to Monterey, Mexico, and has been heard from since. <laughs> Say what to Neil? <laughs> Say what to Neil? Because they said they never said why his wife died. Like I said, I, I went on a dark I went on a dark trail for that one. <laughs> I liked your first one. It'd be fitting for a comedy. Yeah, where they now Nell's, Neil's completely miserable and Dell's the the, the multi 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 millionaire. Yeah, because Adrian Balboa Page would definitely leave him, so I could buy that. Yeah, yeah. So like, remember he says he's like, I got to get off the road, but he would. He, it's one of those things that people say. Oh, the other joke I was going to say is he got off the road and his wife hated it because he was around all the time. <laughs> Because I know of people that like they get into such a routine of the husband being gone that when they're around, it makes things worse, not better. But it had to end in divorce, right? Yeah, for sure. What I, what I, the only thing I would have done, and you were breaking up, maybe you said this, as I would say that Neil actually got him a job, an entry level sales job at his advertising firm, and then he took over the sales division, and then Neil got fired. <laughs> that would be a good one, too. That's a good one too. I like, like I don't know, some kind of like angry tirade where either quit or got fired, and then Dell became successful and maybe married Neil's ex-wife. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> You're really getting deep on it. You're going full Ricky Bobby there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that would be cute. Me, do you feel like I know we said this? I'm going to ask this. Do you feel like they sh- could do a remake of this movie type? but using today where technology is involved. Well, they'd have to lose their cell phones pretty quick. Yeah. That'd probably have to be number one. Like maybe confiscated at the airport in a search or like some kind of weird, something where they don't have it and couldn't get it back. I feel like they have to be in somewhere in Europe too. Yeah. I feel the United States is too easy because they could just get in a car and drive. Left it, left it in a uh, bathroom stall. (laughs) 
like they say, on top of the toilet paper rack and left it there and flew off without it. Yeah, that could work. I feel like you'd have to have a lost driver's license and or passport, too. They could have one of those wallets that was your credit card and it has your ID, like, in your phone, too. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I, Aaron has one of those. I have one They're of those. They're actually quite convenient. convenient. Saying. You, <laughs> oh, there you go. Don't lose that shit, Mike. Yeah, like, do they have to be stuck in a foreign country at this point? Or, like, stuck in Canada? Nobody's be a mix of planes, trains, and automobiles and... It'd be a mix of planes, trains, and automobiles and Canadian bacon. It'd be stuck in Canada. Just to Mike's point, or Ed's point of Kennedy not losing that, nobody wants to be Mike Kennedy, so I'm not, I wouldn't worry about losing your stuff. <laughs> it wouldn't be stealing money. So you're saying if someone, if someone stole your identity, they'd give it back? <laughs> <laughs> they'd be like, shit, I got more money than this guy. <laughs> this asshole doesn't even have a comma. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, our next, well, I'll, I'll say this, uh, please keep sharing the, the podcast. Our numbers are slowly ticking up. I'm working on getting the Facebook page and hope to have it out actually by the time this posts. Uh, so this will be something good to listen to over the holidays while you're trying to avoid your family, go back through some of our old ones and send us feedback too. you know, follow us on Twitter at worth the watch PC email us worth the watch podcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you like, tell us what you hate about us. It's always worth a good laugh. Um, so we're, we're dying to hear what people want us to, to do and, and not do and keep doing our next movie. Very, very, very excited for it. One of my personal favorites, Christmas vacation. Adam, do you want to try and come back for that one? Uh, sure. Depends <laughs> when it is. Okay. Uh, it'll be about two weeks from now. So we'll, we'll work on, we'll work on scheduling. That's the hardest part is, is getting you in here, but, and think out loud listeners. Uh, if we can get one more in one more Christmas movie in before the end of the year, what other one would you want to hear what, hear other than home alone? We're going to do home alone next year, next Christmas. So what, we might, we might try and get, once I get the Facebook page, the page up, I might try and put some type of survey out there and have people respond back with what they want to do. The so. day before Christmas break, when I was a teacher, I would just play elf on loop the entire day. <laughs> I wouldn't start or stop that's a, that's it a good or like choice. change anything. <laughs> <laughs> when they walked in, that's the part they saw. And then it just started yep, over. That's it. Yeah. That's what the day before last day before Christmas is for. Enjoy your Turkey no. boys. Safe driving, Mike. I know you got to drive to do. Yeah. I should do it in the morning. All right, guys. Take care. All right, see you guys. All right. Welcome to the Worth the Watch podcast. While there are plenty of movie review podcasts out there, our goal is not to be that. 
This is supposed to be a fun look back at movies from our past that we have enjoyed. We just want to fill that place between your ears for about an hour. Make your commute to work a little more tolerable or let you reflect on a movie that you may have seen. Movies can make us laugh and cry, make us cringe in fear or be a shot of adrenaline. We watch them in theaters with total strangers, at home with friends and family, or on Sundays when it's on cable for the 300th time. When One We Love comes on TV, we get excited. It's almost like, hey, someone else likes this movie too. So if you like what we do, let us know. Follow us on Twitter at WorthTheWatchPC, again, at WorthTheWatchPC, or email us at WorthTheWatchPodcast at gmail.com. Make suggestions of movies you love and want to hear. Tell us what areas you want us to cover. Please keep things clean. We have families who don't want them to be worried about us. Please remember, this is all in good fun, and if something on here offends you, tough shit. Get over it and find something else to be upset about.